welcome everybody to the Boiler Alert Podcast. With you as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And we are just days away from Purdue football's first game of the season with Fresno State coming into ross Stadium. Ryan, are you excited? Oh, three more days. I, it's it, it really feels like it has been forever since we last saw a Purdue football game. Um, of course, that's true because, you know, they, of course, opted not to play in the bowl game, so we have no yeah. memory of the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, so when you went to the stadium and you got the, the commemorative Cheez-Its, that didn't actually happen, right? That was all a fever dream? Well, yeah, I think I just went to Disney World in Orlando or something. Fair enough, fair enough. So um, today we're going to give our season predictions uh, of what we what we hope and kind of expect Purdue to do uh, record-wise on this football season. Then we're going to talk Fresno State. Our hope is that we're going to have a couple of guys from Fresno State uh, Fresno State podcast on here. We are just waiting for a link uh, for from them in order to get connected and do that part of the podcast. But before that, Ryan and I are just going to talk just Purdue and the outlook of the season. But before we start, two little bits of housekeeping. Uh, first is we're going to be adding additional podcasts uh, to the Boiler Alert feed. Drew and Garrett uh, from Hammer and Rails, some of our co-writers, expressed interest in adding some shorter podcasts, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, focusing more on um, actually X's and O's on the field. So they are going to be releasing some of those probably about twice a week. Uh, they're going to appear in this same feed. They, Assuming they stick to the schedule they've put out, uh, the first one will be released on Friday before the Fresno State game. So be on the lookout for that as we look to expand our empire. So uh, Ryan, you and I, I guess, uh, what are our titles in this empire? King and Duke? I don't, I don't really know my royal uh, lines of succession. I don't know about titles, but I'm going to call you Walter and I'll be Jesse. Okay, <laughs> all right. I'll take Gotta that. Gotta our empire. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, so I guess that means at the end of the podcast, I'm going to kill a bunch of neo-Nazis, but then ultimately die from my wounds, and uh, you'll get away and try to live a life. Yeah, but hey, you survive your cancer. Hey, I do. I do. And, you know, I guess I should say, spoiler alert for Breaking Bad that ended, what, six, seven years ago? I can't even remember how long. Uh, one of the greatest, yeah, could be, gosh, that you're probably right. Uh, one of the greatest shows ever on television. Um, so spoiler alert there. Uh, the other Mm -hmm. bit of housekeeping news is I wanted to remind everybody about, uh, the fans first sports network contest in order for you to win four tickets to the NFL week one game of your choosing. Uh, tickets can be worth up to $5,000. Easy to enter. All you have to do is go to contest.fansfirstsports.com. You fill out a form. All you got to do is put in your email address, hit submit, you're entered, and all of the uh, podcasts on the Fans First Sports Network are uh, letting their listeners know about this. They're going to draw one winner, and they will be contacted via email, and boom, just like that, you can go to the Week 1 NFL game of your choice. That contest ends September 4th, so make sure to go and enter if you have not already. All right. We're going to take a quick break to get in some ads, pay for this uh, beautiful, beautiful podcast you guys get to listen to. Be right back, and Ryan and I are going to give you our predictions for the Purdue football season. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back. So, as promised, heading into what is the 100th season at Ross Aid Stadium, Ryan and I are going to let you know what we think is going to be the uh, the final record for Purdue in the regular season. I know I kind of sprung this on you just a few minutes ago, Ryan. So, uh, mm-hmm. do you need do you need a minute to compose yourself, and we can talk about the changes to Ross Aid, or do you want to get right into your predictions? Well, I'll let you go first. Okay, I'll be ready. I feel like this is like a you're you're pushing me to go first for some sort of price is right reason. You know, you want to see where I'm going to be, and then you're going to change your prediction based on that. Right now, it's between two numbers, so we'll see. I I think I might know what those two numbers are because I was very similar. Uh, so I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb. I am going to say Purdue is going to finish the regular season seven and five. Um, I you know. I can't guarantee, obviously, the games that I think are going to be wins, but I think Purdue has a real good shot at going 3-0 in their non-conference. Uh, Fresno State, obviously going to be tough, but that one's in West Lafayette, and I think that'll help quite a bit. Um, second one, of course, Virginia Tech. That one is on the road, but Virginia Tech is not the Virginia Tech of 5, 10 years ago. They've really struggled of late, and I think Purdue can can walk away with a victory there. And Syracuse, we saw what happened with Purdue and Syracuse last year on the road. Uh, of course, Purdue lost in a just a wacky uh, fourth quarter, but that was mostly self-inflicted, and I'm really hoping Ryan Walters has the team a little more disciplined. And again, that one is in West Lafayette, so I think that'll help as well. So I think there's a real shot that Purdue goes 3-0 and to start the season. And as you and I talked about on the last two podcasts, I think there's a real good chance that Purdue wins the last two games of the season. Those are games mm-hmm. at Northwestern and at home against IU. Um, so with those five, I- I've-, I've got five wins right there. And I think Purdue has a real shot at a handful of other games. It's just a matter of if they can can lock in and if things kind of go their way. Um, I-, I don't think Purdue has much of a chance against Michigan or Ohio State, but I think games against Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, uh, they're all winnable games. Uh, Wisconsin is just, I'm not going to count for a win, count on a win against Wisconsin until it happens. So uh, throw that one in the bucket with Michigan and Ohio State. But the rest of the games, I think they're winnable. Um, so I, I think Purdue can win two of those other Big Ten games that I mentioned. They would have four, they would go maybe four and five um, in conference play, but then would end up with a seven and five record. And I don't think that's unreasonable. Obviously the schedule is a lot harder. Um, I think there is talent on this team. A lot of folks who maybe weren't used last season and a lot of folks who were brought in um, by Ryan Walters and staff and are coming out of red shirts as well. And true freshmen who might, might see the field. So I think there's talent. It's just a matter of how long it takes them to kind of gel as a team. So seven and five is, is as far out on that limb as I'm willing to go. Okay. Now now that I've I've filibustered a little bit for you, I hope you have hope you've got a good good number for me. Yeah, I I do and I kn- I know you're going to think it's a good number because it's the same number as Okay, you. all right. And well, 
I apologize to our viewers. I can't really add much more content <laughs> because Andrew took it all. It, you know, exactly what you said was what I was thinking. And the only thing I'll add is Nebraska and Wisconsin are both under new head coaches. You don't know how long it's going to retake or take to retool especially with the dumpster fire that Nebraska was. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin, I would assume, is a little bit uh, more firmly planted at this stage. So, as you said, you never count a win against Wisconsin until the final buzzer. Um, And then the other three schools, Illinois lost so much to the draft last year. Iowa um, may not have a starting quarterback. Yeah. That's and, huge. You know, we all know how that can go because we sure know that uh, Brian Ferentz is not pulling a regular quarterback to the, you know, promised land. Did, did you, speaking of, did you see the, this, whatever, you know, Twitter account does like projected wins uh, and projected scores for each of the games? And they put out the one for Iowa and their projected score was like 27.9 points per game or no, like the for, first game? For the first game. Oh, okay. I mean, who are they playing? It's like some it's, uh, Utah it's State? Utah State. Wow, that is impressive that you knew that. Yeah. Um. So if Cade McNamara is healthy, okay, say la vie, they can score. Sounds like a big if. If he's though. not, exactly. That is a big if, right? And Big Ten season is not very nice to uh, to players. So let's put it that way. Um, physicality gets the best of players, and if you've got some bad knees like Cade McNamara might have, ooh, you know, you're not all not all roses and sunshine. Yeah, yeah. But I so, so that, look, that's what Iowa's season is riding on, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, some rickety knees. <laughs> you know, it happens. As a Purdue fan, uh, I completely understand. Yeah. So, um. I think the last program that I wanted to kind of bring up was also Minnesota, who, weirdly enough, is the only Big Ten West team who's returning a starting quarterback. Oh, wow. Is that true? Yeah. it's um, And it wasn't even their starting quarterback from last year. Um, it was their second string behind Tanner Morgan. I think if you count Spencer Petras, he's back, but he's not playing. Okay, yeah. Which is still such a weird situation. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a whole new field. And, you know, Purdue won the Big Ten West last year by the skin of their teeth. It's not impossible to do it again. But no. at this stage, I'm at 7-5 and five along with you. Okay. Uh, let me ask you another question, uh, prediction-wise. Okay. It's just it's really just a yes or no, and I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, does Devin Mockaby break 1,000 yes. yards? I, I knew the question before you were going to ask it. The answer was yes. <laughs> okay. All right. There we go. Yes to both. Uh, and this one this one is just uh, a little fun uh, just for me personally. Uh, who has more wins at the end of the year? No, I'm not counting bowl games, so I'm talking regular season only. Uh, Purdue or Louisville? Ooh. I don't know Louisville's schedule is the thing. They could have a tough go in the ACC. I think they get only one of Clemson and Florida State, if I remember correctly, and they don't play Notre Dame. However, I think Purdue edges them out by one game. Do you do you want me to read their schedule to you? Sure. Okay, they've got uh, 
at Georgia Tech. Okay. Um, home against Murray State. Hmm. Neutral okay. site against IU. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, home against Boston College. On the road at NC State. They do play Notre Dame at home. Oh, they do? Oh, yes. Interesting. Uh, they play at Pitt. Duke at home. Virginia Tech at home. Virginia at home. And then Miami on the road. Kentucky at home. I count four or five losses in that, so it's razor thin compared to Purdue. So the problem is I can't go even, right? I know I you could say, say you same. could you could say break even. You could okay. give me a push. Yeah, I, I tend to strive towards that push now. Okay. It's again it's you know, coming into your first year as head coach, even if you're Louisville's son, it's still difficult. Yeah. You know, you still have to rebuild the program. And we'll see how how well Jeff Brom can do with whatever extra resources he apparently is getting. <laughs> yeah, sure. Through an ACC school, he's definitely yeah. not getting the TV money. No, although he may, who knows, he may be getting some new uh, competitors in the ACC here soon. Yeah, he gets to fly out to California every three years. Yeah, yeah. Um, whenever that meeting takes place, we'll see if that happens. <laughs> Um, so yeah. I I am going I'm going with Purdue. Um, okay. I, I think it's going to be very close, but I, just my homerism is kicking in, and my scorned lover uh, a- attitude and tendencies are coming in, and I cannot either choose a push or choose uh, Jeff Brom. Uh, so I am I'm just going to choose Purdue. I'm going to say maybe Louisville goes six and six. I don't okay. know. I don't know as much, obviously, about Louisville as I do about Purdue. But I thought it was just an interesting comparison, you know, because obviously they have our former coach and some of our former players. So it'll be interesting yeah. um, if I do have time to watch them this season, because I'm sure we'll see some familiar names out there. But right. you know, it's it's a weird situation. It's it's really it's not something as a Purdue fan that I've really seen. Uh, I think in my yeah in my lifetime as a Purdue football fan because. The first Daryl Hazel didn't go somewhere. <laughs> no, well, he went to the Vikings, but uh, that doesn't really oh. count. But, but I mean, in you know, in my lifetime, the first Purdue football coach I really remember it was Coletto, and Coletto got fired, and then he went to Notre Dame as I believe the offensive coordinator, um, and Purdue played Notre Dame the next year. Uh, but you know, it's then we had Tiller, and Tiller retired. And then we had Danny Hope. Hope got fired, and then he kind of went away for a couple years and then became an offensive line coach. So there's no comparison there. Daryl Hazel got fired, and then he went to the Vikings, and now I believe uh, – I don't believe he has a, a football job at this point. I, I could be mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then now we've got Jeff Brom, who left Purdue for another job. And that's the – as I said, that's the first time in my fandom that that's happened. So it's a weird feeling. It's not something I'm used to. Gotcha. By the way, speaking of the Notre Dame coaches, I know you mentioned this a while, a little while ago, but can we talk about how much we hate, how much we love yeah. the Notre Dame coaches? It's the worst. It's the worst. It's just, I, oh, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't help but love Shrewsbury and Marcus Freeman. Yeah, both both guys who have worked at Purdue. Yeah, and mm, now they're now just, they're the mm. head. Head coaches of their respected sport, respective sports at Notre Dame. Not to mention Jaden Ivey's mom, who is the women's right. basketball coach. So they've got the three marquee coaches all have a Purdue connection. 
Yeah. And it's um, it's really frustrating because they're all very likable people and I want them personally to succeed, but I cannot root for Notre Dame. Yeah. Well, it I have an extra wrinkle in there for myself. Uh my girlfriend goes to right. St. Mary's. Right. So and she's in the Notre Dame band. She actually just got back from Ireland. So that's difficult. Did you did you ask if there was some sort of hex that was put on Notre Dame? Uh the same thing that happened to uh, Northwestern last year, so Notre Dame will win no games on American soil this year? Well, funnily enough, she got sick while in Ireland, so maybe maybe there is a curse. There you go. Because everyone knows you always curse the band members to get to the football team. <laughs> right. Yes, that's, that's that'll how you do teach it. them. Yeah, so I think it's it's very frustrating as a Purdue fan because – when when Marcus Freeman was on staff, it was like this guy's good. This guy is an up and comer. This guy's got all the, the you know the great energy. He's great with recruits. He is a really good face for the the unit that he's coaching. And then mm-hmm. of course he's gone. And then he winds up at Notre Dame and then gets promoted to Notre Dame head coach. And you love it for him, and you really are glad to see him succeed. But man, you hate to hate to see anything good happen for Notre Dame. Same thing with Shrewsbury. Yep. Exactly. Yes. Well, I mean, I think we were in the same position beforehand because you hate to see Penn State succeed yeah. Yeah. when Shrewsbury was there. Yeah. And, so. and and Shrewsbury, he really is, just seems like such a nice guy. Uh, him and oh, Painter yeah. have such a good relationship. And it's – I'm sure Painter is happy he is out of the Big Ten so he doesn't have to face him twice a year. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah hate to love them yes yes so one more thing uh before uh we finish up here um for our fresno state folks to join us what do you think of all the changes to ross aid stadium um including the new south end zone uh the tunnel that is not quite finished um and i sent you a message earlier about the uh the steps they've painted the steps um with the the words to hail purdue on them so as you're walking up on the southeast side of the stadium, you'll see those. Overall, I think everything looks great, uh, and I'm yes. very excited to see it in person. Absolutely. It looks phenomenal. I mean, the marketing team, the ground crew, everybody who has had a hand in this has done superb work. I mean, it is it just makes it all the more exciting to get to Ross aid stadium on Saturdays. Um, you, you just, there's an extra buzz going around and you'll love it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a really excellent point. You said about thanking the other, thanking the other people around there, um, involved in the program did a great job because, you know, the grounds crew, the maintenance folks, uh, the construction folks who are doing all the, the upgrades to the stadium, they don't get enough credit. Um, you know, all mm-hmm. the credit seems to go to guys like Bobinski and the rest of the athletic department, which certainly they played, you know, a great role. But Bobinski was not out there shoveling dirt every day or, you know, p- putting the sod in or painting the end zones with, uh, you know, the the black background as they have this year. Mm-hmm. Um so kudos to all those folks. The athletic department is a gigantic organization, and being able to to get everything how we want it to in that stadium in such a short amount of time has been really impressive. Um, we know that the tunnel is not exactly done yet, but we're really hoping um, that when they get to the date where they're going to actually, um, you know, officially, I think, um, 
open the tunnel or christen the tunnel, whatever word they want to use. Commemorate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, then it'll be uh, ready to go 100%. But I, I think overall it has been an excellent look for Purdue. And I think the stadium looks so much better when you're looking, especially at the south end zone. That thing has right. been an eyesore for decades. And now <laughs> it really looks like a full, great, beautiful college football stadium. I love what they've done. And while I would love for the, the students to have better seats, I think putting them in their own section is going to be really nice. Uh, but we will see how that goes. Uh, I'm I'm holding out my judgment for that. Right. Absolutely. So it's funny that all of this is occurring this season because you really you're going to have to compare Purdue's renovations with Vanderbilt's who right. played last week in a stadium that's not even remotely close to being. And I don't know if you saw the Indiana suites that they no. just put out. No. It looks worse than Morgantown. What it's do you bad. Wait, I don't even know what you're referencing. Are they doing new construction at Memorial Stadium? So at Memorial Stadium, they put out suites, and I'm putting suites in some serious air quotes now, that it's in one of their end zones, kind of like Morgantown was in the south end zone at Purdue, and it's they're calling them suites, and it it's essentially just like a canopy with chairs underneath. Oh. Was this it's ju- bad. Okay. Was this on um, their Twitter account, I'm assuming? Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up right now uh, and see if you can if we can get my honest reaction to it. But I can't find the IU football Twitter account. If you go, I know Gabby commented it. Oh, if like you go to Gabby. Like page. quoted it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Oh my God! This literally <laughs> this literally looks like like the beginning of COVID when they decided they could do outdoor dining. There's like crappy futons out there. What? No, this is awful. It looks like they're setting up for a graduation. Yeah. Oh my gosh, those are so bad. That is. And they thought they did something here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, for those who have not seen it, it literally is like metal canopy legs, a little white. Scaffolding? Yeah. Yeah, like scaffolding basically, with white tarps on top and just normal looking. Uh, not even super comfortable chairs, and the occasional thing that looks like a futon under, and they're literally like behind the end zone, behind the goalposts. But man, that I would not want to watch a game from there. There seems to be no amenities at all. Uh, wow, that's a swing and a miss. We can keep our chin held high when it comes to renovations, apparently. Yeah, no kidding. Oof. All right, so we've got the link from the folks at Fresno State. Ryan, I just sent it to you. So that is going to do it for this part of the podcast. I am your host, Caleb Nail, along with me, my good friend, who's joining me the rest of this year, Caleb Pletz. Caleb, Mr. Pletz, thank you as always. How are you doing? We're here, by the way, if you're on YouTube, you can see uh, other squares down below and people. I'm going to get to them in just a second. Caleb, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. It is week one, game week. We made it through the dog days of summer, which um, has been long and grueling. Too much uh, conference realignment talk. Uh, but now we can actually talk football. And I'm um, super excited for our Get to Know episodes. And we got some great guests here this week to fill us in on Purdue. So really look forward to it. Yes. Joining us today to get to know the Purdue Boilermakers are the hosts of Boiler Alert, Andrew and Ryan. Andrew... 
I'm going to start with you. First, thank you for joining us. Hey, and, glad to be here. Uh, please tell us about your three-year-old's decorations in the background <laughs> before we get started. Okay, so I did say this before we started recording because I, I record in my basement for our podcast, and I have a three-year-old. He's in preschool, so we've got you know a whole wall full of, of stuff for him. You can see here we've got the alphabet. Uh, behind me, we've got shapes. Um, if if I turn the camera a little bit, we've got we've got the whole circle time situation over here uh, pulled straight out of a Miss Rachel video for those of you with kids. Uh, so oh, we've got a lot going on down here. So we're we're well stocked up. Uh, in case you guys have any questions uh, during the podcast, I can help you out with with numbers, shapes, colors, letters, whatever we need. I got it covered. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> and Ryan, I we have no idea what you look like. Uh, but how's everything going in West Lafayette? Did I get that right? Uh, yeah. Um, well, as you can see, I take my school colors seriously with the black and gold. So, um, yeah, just no camera here today. It's on the fritz. Um, but yeah, things are good. I'm about an hour out of West Lafayette. And so I get to enjoy the Chicago lifestyle. We'll see how, um, how much I can survive that, but I look forward to game days. I look forward to working with you guys and it's football season is back. We love it. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pumped. And by the way, this is the first time in a long time that we get a morning game. It's going to be 9 a.m. kickoff for us. This oh, is yeah. brand new. How often are you guys playing at noon? You know, used to, it was a lot more, um, because we were one of the last teams in the Big Ten to get like permanent lights. Used to, we would just rely on like the TV networks to come bring in their big trucks and put up the lights and all that. So for that reason, the networks are like, we don't want to pay for those. We'll just put you at noon or, you know, 3.30 at the latest so that it's not really dark um, at the end of the game. So this year, I think, you know, we don't have all the game times announced, but I think Purdue has at least like five games that are in the evening um, mm -hmm. this year. So, um, not as many noon games as we're used to uh, in the past. Okay. That shocks me. I had th this how spoiled we are, or I am. I had no idea there were there were stadiums with no lights. We've kind of had we've had oh, lights yeah. for a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean I our get... our our side is different. They they always put us as late as possible, like seven thirty kicks <laughs> just to make oh, yeah. it cooler. Cause I mean well, our, yeah. our our temperatures right now are, are pretty brutal. Oh, so we, yeah, I don't we, I don't want to deal with that. But but also, I mean, you guys being out west, it, you're part of the whole. Hey, we can watch football all day long, so we got to have those mm -hmm. those uh, West Coast games start late, so that everybody on the East Coast can watch them and then finish their day with football. Right. All the networks want it, but we didn't get a call this year. A little, um, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> uh, I want to start with this. I want to start with the. What is the overall feeling in the Purdue? football program about this upcoming season uh andrew ryan whoever wants to start go for it but how are how are you guys and the fan base feeling about this upcoming season ryan i'll let you yeah. go first okay perfect so i think there's a little bit of optimism going on purdue has a new head coach this season who is running a different style than we're used to. We're primarily used to a high-flying, run-and-gun offense, and our new head coach, Ryan Walters, was the defensive coordinator at Illinois last season. And 
he was one of the highly touted uh, defensive minds in college football for an opening, and we snagged him up, but we're used to an offensive uh, play style. So we'll see if that style conflicts, but luckily our offensive coordinator that we pulled in is Graham Harrell, who was under Mike Leach. So air raid offense, we hope that works for us. So there's a sense of optimism, but obviously it's guarded just because it's a lot of turnover. With that, there's a lot of transfers, you know, as the current uh, football uh, state is. But I think we're excited, but we don't want to get too excited. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I think to Ryan's point, too, there was just there was so much turnover, especially on offense. Purdue lost their starting quarterback, their uh, best tight end. We lost our number one wide receiver, who was basically our, you know, I mean, Charlie Jones was just everything last year um, from a wide receiver perspective. And, you know, you're losing those three guys on offense. That was almost the entirety of the offense. I mean, we're bringing back our running back, Devin Mockaby, um, who was a walk-on last year, now on scholarship, um, nearly got to a thousand yards last year, but there's a lot of questions about who else is going to be around him. We brought in Hudson card as a transfer quarterback, uh, got all the talent in the world, but you know, we've never seen him play in a Purdue uniform. So we just, there are a lot of questions, but I think Ryan is right. There's a lot of excitement and some cautious optimism around the Purdue program right now, because Ryan Walters really has come in and injected a whole lot of optimism and energy into the program even though Jeff Brom was very successful at Purdue, got us uh, a Big Ten West title um, and got us the Big Ten championship game, Jeff Brom really didn't excite a lot of people. He was kind of a downer sometimes. Um, so Walters is kind of just on the opposite end of the spectrum energy-wise. So uh, that, I think, has made a difference in the fan base. Interesting. Okay, yeah, because I, I know that I was uh, interested in, like, you know, December of last year where, you know, Tough loss to Michigan in the you know Big Ten championship game, and then just a beatdown in the bowl game. So um, obviously, I'm not super locked into Purdue. So I mean, where where was the coaching change there? Like, when, when did he leave? Was that before the bowl game? And like, yeah. what was kind of the circumstance there? You know, at least on the the fan perspective of like, okay, are we glad this guy's gone, or was it kind of bittersweet? Um, I mean, he was he was a Louisville guy. He played at Louisville. His family is like royalty in Louisville. Um, and he'd flirted with going to Louisville um, to coach, I think, on two separate occasions. So it wasn't a shock um, when he ultimately took the job after this last season. And it was one of those, like, maybe he thought it was all he could accomplish at Purdue. He'd reached kind of the mountaintop at Purdue, and it's time to move on. And I, I think a lot of Purdue fans understood that because going home always has a huge draw to it. But at the same time, it's never fun to be the guy, uh, to be the school that, the coach leaves for someone else. Um, that's always frustrating. Um, so it's, it's good and bad. Um, the, I think the program needed a little more energy and Ryan Walters is bringing that, but it's always bittersweet when you lose uh, a coach to, to another program. It, it, it never feels good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can say I was at both of those games, the big 10 championship and the bowl game. So, I definitely got the full face of that uh, transition, we shall say. Plus, uh, losing a lot of seniors who just didn't play because they were going to go to the NFL draft 
bowl game did not go very well. No, it did not. No, it did not. But less said about that, the better. (laughs) Right. It was a nice vacation in Florida. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, and unfortunately, LSU showed up a little bit stronger. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. 63-7, to just for the Fresno State fans who didn't uh, watch that bowl game. You didn't miss Mm -hmm. much. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like there's a lot of questions, very much like the Fresno State team. We haven't there are players that have come in that we haven't seen play in our uniforms. A lot of questions, but I want to know from you guys, what are the strengths of this Purdue team that you know of? Um, I think two that two that stand out to me. One is going to be the running back position. Devin Mockaby, I think, is extremely talented. As I said, he almost ran for a thousand yards last year without being the starter at the beginning of the year. Um, so he's incredibly talented. He's back. He's healthy. Um, no issues there. And then I think the defensive line uh, for Purdue is going to be pretty good. They've got a lot of big guys, a lot of space eaters. And it's just a matter of can they get off their blocks uh, and get those sacks, get those tackles for loss instead of just taking up space. Um, so I think that can can be um, a real strength for this Purdue team. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. And then I would also throw in barring injury um, because that's always the monkey wrench. The offensive line can actually be quite a skilled group. Um, They brought in some transfers just to have some backups. But if they're all healthy, and that's, again, a big if, um, it should be a pretty uh, well-constructed group to protect a brand-new quarterback. That's what I'm worried about. That's one, and we're going to get to that when we talk uh, in our preview. But wh- who are, other than your running back, uh, who are some impact players? Now, I did hear that your wide receiver went down. One of your big wide receivers went down for this year. Yeah, yeah. He was a transfer, so we don't really know. I mean, he was projected to start. He was projected to play quite a bit. But, again, he's one of those guys. We've never seen him in a Purdue uniform, so we don't really know. Um, we also have our one of our tight ends is out. Um, who is going to be our number one tight end most likely. Um, He's out for at least uh, the first game, maybe more. So Mm -hmm. we've got a couple speedy wide receivers. Um, Deion Burks is going to be pretty fast um, for Purdue. Um, But, uh, I mean, the the truth is, I don't think we know what we're getting out of the wide receiver position. Um, There are more questions than answers out there. And maybe Ryan disagrees. Maybe Ryan has has someone who he's been watching and and thinks can can step up. But that is one of my biggest question marks. Right. And to build off of that, the wide receiver room is really going to be a room by committee. So Hudson Card may have to throw to a lot of different guys, and no one may stand out. The closest I would say to that may be TJ Sheffield. He's the longest tenured receiver on Purdue's roster. Um, He went down a couple years ago with a little bit of an injury in our bowl game to Tennessee, but he bounced back pretty nicely last year, and he's looking to have a nice senior year to really jumpstart into the NFL. I think that's his main goal. Um, so he could be the standout now again with guarded optimism, we have to figure out how well he can mesh with a new quarterback, you know, as is always the way. Sure. Right. Yeah. Question about Hudson Carter quarterback. Was there any type of quarterback competition this summer or was he pretty much set as QB? No, I, 
I mean, there was the only issue was we had a talented guy as a sophomore, Brady Allen, um, who came in highly recruited, highly touted. And when we got Hudson Card, he entered the transfer portal and then he decided to come back. He exited the transfer portal. So we're like, oh, they're going to have a competition. They're going to see who it is. Uh, but then like three weeks later, he entered the transfer portal again. Um, and then he ultimately left. And at that point, there was no question. I mean, it was going to be Hudson Card. Uh, it's Hudson wow. Card or, or nobody at this point. Now, last thing before I want to give – I want to give you guys a chance to ask some questions too. But play, how about the defensive side of the ball? Any players on the defensive side of the ball that Fresno State fans should keep an eye on? Yeah, I think uh, two names that really pop out in my head are going to be Cam Allen, one of our safeties. He has a knack for intercepting the ball. Um, so I believe he led the team in interceptions last year, and he's pretty much just a ball hawk. Now, he's one of those players that may try to tackle you a little too hard and miss. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's always that's always fun to see when you're a fan. But, you know... It's it's boomer bust sometimes with Cam Allen. And the other name that comes to mind is Nick Scourton, um, formerly Nick Callaway. Um, Caraway. Caraway, thank you, Callaway. Um, yeah, he's our sophomore edge rusher, and as a freshman, he made an impact. He's coming back, and he seems to be one of the highly regarded players on the defense just to make – an impact and just uh, make a play. So that's always important. Uh, he was voted one of the team captains. So obviously well-respected within the program. And I think talent really bleeds through everything when it comes to that. So uh, that's a name to watch out for. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Purdue always has interesting last names when it comes to edge rushers. Mm -hmm. It's true. <laughs> now you guys are also, uh, if, if I want to turn it over to you guys, you guys have any questions for about Fresno State that you need answered? Ryan, do you? I know I sent some questions to them um, that I could ask, but I know Ryan, you said you were going to prepare some as well. Do you want to go first? Sure. So my main question is on offense. Um, you transition from a quarterback who has been a three-year guy, three-year starter, super high-level quarterback in Jake Hanner. And you're switching over to Mikey Keene, I presume. Um, you know, transfer from USC or UCF, not USC, um, and highly recruited player. But how is their style different? You know, what is Mikey Keene bringing that maybe Hayner didn't bring, and vice versa? That's a good question. Um, obviously, there's still a lot unknown about uh, Keene, and I think that a lot. There's definitely more similarities than there are differences. Uh, I mean, frame-wise, they're going to look pretty similar. I mean, they're about the same size. Um, Keen's mm -hmm. also very, very accurate. That was one of Hainer's, you know, big strength. Is I mean, he really didn't put the ball, um, you know, in danger. And I mean, he, last year I think he probably only threw like five picks. So, um, you know, Keen's accurate. Um, and so I think really main difference. I've heard some things that, you know, maybe his arm isn't as strong as Jake's was. Um, you know, we haven't really seen it with our own eyes, though. So that was really the only, um, like, maybe, you know, difference there in terms of comparison between the two. I don't know. Caleb, you can maybe add on. <laughs> I Just so you know, Keen is the starter for all the Purdue okay. 
Boilermakers. He was, yeah, he's been named the starter. So Keen will get the start on Saturday. I, you know, I heard a couple things when he first came in that he can move, but I mean, we just saw Jay Kaner bust off 26 yards in the NFL. So, you know, there's, and, and Hainer is really tough. Um, uh, I, I think they're very similar. Uh, the thing that I think is different about Mikey Keene and Jay Kaner is, and I can't be 100% sure on this, but but from what we've been told, there was, uh, uh, Jay Kaner was more vocal than Mikey Keene. Okay. Uh, and maybe that's just, you know, the new guy coming in, he's got to earn his role as the leader there. So, you know, there's, there's probably some adjustment. But from what we had heard, there was a vocal difference. Is if there still is a difference, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But physically, very similar. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's lovely from an opponent's standpoint. <laughs> um, I'll go next. Uh, one one thing I think uh, everybody who listens to our podcast wants to know is: Can you give us one unit that's a strength and one unit you might view as a weakness on both sides of the ball? Go ahead, Caleb. So historically, we'll we'll start on offense. Historically, I'd say the weakness has got to be the offensive line. Um, I mean, this year, I think I'd still put that as a question mark just because we don't really know um, what it's going to look like. Um, you know, we have a new offensive line coach, Coach Army, um, coming up from the FCS level. And, you know, he's coming highly regarded. Um, but Fresno State has a lot of the same pieces as last year. So I think it's really going to come down to scheme of whether, um, you know, he's going to be able to scheme the existing pieces to be better and more cohesive. Because, I mean, we had an infinite number of different combinations of personnel on the line last year, which just wasn't great for continuity. And there's a couple injuries, too. So O-line is definitely, I would say, the probably the weakness on the offense. Yeah, I- we're just talking weakness right now or question mark. I, I hey, it's will, up to you. It's up to you. <laughs> I I do want to address the wide receiver conversation because I think a lot of people it, around the nation that don't keep up with Fresno State see that we lost a lot of production at the wide receiver position and we lost our running back and our quarterback. But I want I just want to make a confirmation uh, to everyone listening that there are good wide receivers that are coming in. And we are really excited about them. We have uh, two transfers. Uh, we also have some young guys. And we do have returning production uh, in two players that caught a couple passes here and there um, that are very quick. And we're excited about our wide receiver class. So <clears throat> if people are – they think that – or they're wondering why we're, we don't say wide receiver class as a weakness or question mark because we're actually really excited about this wide receiver room. Um and then I'm, I'm going to have to agree with Caleb when it comes to uh, the O-line. The o and then uh, actually I think our, our, our trenches are probably the biggest question marks that we don't know too much about. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for our edge rushers and, I, and our depth at D-line, but there are question marks. Mm-hmm. Can we stop the run? Because Ashton Janty, the freshman at Boise last year, ran all over us. And when you guys talk about your running back, that's where I get a little bit worried. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I'd say strength on defense, I think it has to be cornerback. Um, you know, dogs are returning. Um, Cam Lockridge and Carlton Johnson, I mean, both really strong defensive, you know, cover corners and also big hitters too. So um, it's definitely a strength there. 
behind them, depth is a little bit of a question mark. But as long as those two guys are staying healthy and staying on the field, then it's definitely you know a position of strength for Fresno State. Ditto. All right, Ryan, you got anything else? Um, I do. So Andrew knows this. We kind of do this segment every uh, yes. week. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure how familiar um, you, Caleb, and Caleb are with the Sickos community. But one of the things we like to do is we like to take our opponent's punter and figure out how many punts it would take that punter to get to a specific landmark that's uh, relative to the school we're opposing. So, for instance, um, a couple weeks ago, we had Iowa on, and one of the locations that we did for the punter was the Iowa State Fair. See how far it would be to that area. So we've kind of done this where I've given the amount of punts it would take and you kind of try and guess where the area is. Okay. And mind you, this is an area that's very relevant to Fresno State. Okay. So from your punter last season, it would take 62,851 punts to get to this location from Fresno State's stadium. Now, now, if I do, I get a direction like north, south, east, west, or no? We can do that. I mean, 1500, it's about 1500 miles. So if you're going 1500 miles west, you're in the ocean. It is not that way. <laughs> um, I will give you it's in the U.S. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll just start. I'll fill a little bit and Caleb can keep brainstorming. So Carson King is the returning Fresno State punter. Um, Friend of the program, uh, so definitely if you are interested in learning about our punter, um, he was on with us a couple weeks ago, so you can go back and listen okay. to that. Episode. We'll check that out for sure, yeah. Um, definitely. Fantastic. Punting so, is winning is what they say. Exactly. Great so, guy, too. He, very, very good guy, which makes me feel bad for how critical I've been about his ability to <laughs> uh, to flip the field. Um, mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Caleb, go, go ahead and throw out a guess. Uh, Vegas? No, nope, it's, it's a little bit farther than Vegas. I was, <laughs> no, there's no way it's fifteen hundred. Um, oh, is it it's fifteen hundred miles? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I don't it's know. about is halfway it? across the United States. Okay, it's probably oh. to, to West Lafayette, Indiana. <laughs> no. Okay. All right, no, just give it to them, Ryan. They're, they're not going to yeah. get it. <laughs> it is to NRG Stadium, the home of the Houston Texans. Oh. Uh, Where? Obviously, the very first pick of the Texans, Fresno State quarterback David Carr. But also, Houston is the hometown of Lorenzo Neal Jr., whose father, also a Fresno State Bulldog. (laughs) But Jr. went to Purdue. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Oh, there you go. There's a little bit of a very good nugget there. Very good nugget. Oh, I feel dumb. Oh, no, no. Uh, We we like to expand upon the sickos community. There, I mean, there's no way you could have gotten it. It, you know, he gets me every week. I think I've gotten one of them. Uh, so mm. there's no shame at all. Um, don't worry about it. But it's just, you know, it's one of the things we like to have a little fun with because otherwise we just get bogged down and talking about players and stats and everything else. So we like to throw a little right. bit of something in there. Right. Well, one of the things we like to ask is mm-hmm. who do you guys hate is a strong word, but in the football community, we love the word hate. So who do you mm. guys hate the most it could you know it could be a school it could be you know uh, a, an opponent's coach who do you hate the most 
and there's it, a lot it could of answers be hurt. <laughs> yeah, it could be personal, or it could be, you could represent the entire boiler uh, maker community. Okay, so I'll kind of provide one of each. So my first, the obvious answer is Indiana Hoosiers. They are our biggest rival. We're you know it's it might as well be a sibling rivalry. Like we're right there, hand in hand. We're right down the highway, and there's some bad blood there every once in a while. Um, a lot of times you'll have a family in Indiana, have one kid go to Purdue, one kid go to Indiana, and you know it's you got to keep them separated. Otherwise, they'll start uh, fighting a little bit. Now, from a player standpoint, or a player and a coach standpoint, there's a lot of Big Ten coaches that we love to hate but there are few that we just truly despise. And I think the main candidate for us is the head coach of the head coach of Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. I like to call him captain khaki. Um, so absolutely cannot stand the guy because he's very, the world revolves around me type guy, but, until he got fired, Scott Frost was another guy. Yes. And he the, the bad man is gone from Nebraska, so um, don't have to worry about him anymore. But but uh, and, wasn't it fun to have Scott Frost there? Because you know that they're just going to go like four and eight. <laughs> How he kept yes. that job for that long was shocking. I, I don't know. I never understand it. But it just it brought out the most delusional fans. Um, <laughs> so that was really the instability of the Scott Frost era. I mean, bad football was great, but when you got to hear from fans 365 days a year, it's just unbearable sometimes. Now, I don't want to steal one of Andrews, so I will say one other family duo we don't like is the Iowa head coach and offensive coordinator. They are a father-son duo, and Kirk... It's nepotism! Yeah. Kirk Ferentz is going to be there till he dies, and Brian might be there right alongside with him because Iowa loves their nepotism. He's just going to inherit the title of head coach somehow. I, I don't know how he's going to do it, but he is. So <laughs> that's Ryan's contract allows him. I, so obviously, I had to run and get a charger. Who did you say before Harbaugh? Indiana. Are you okay? Okay. Were you, I don't mm-hmm. want to step on your thunder. So is that all you got? Or can I go now? That's all I'm I've, got gonna a, I've got a list. So I'll let you go down your list. I mean, IU, of course, is number one. As a Purdue fan, I hate everything about IU. Obviously, huge rivals in basketball, but we hate them in football just as much. Um, but, you know, the state of Indiana, it, it's really a basketball state. So it's a much bigger rivalry in basketball, but I, I cannot stand them any day of the week, especially growing up in a small town in Indiana where the vast majority of people were Indiana fans. And my family was a proud Purdue family. You know, you just get a bunch of people, John, at you, and you're like, you have never been to their campus. You are not going to college. Stop it. You just want to yell at them. Um, uh, And then Notre Dame. We don't love Notre Dame. Uh, It was a lot more fun when we played them every year. But they, you know, they have to have a national schedule where they play, you know, the the four different – uh, academies and then they go to California and play USC and like we they're so arrogant uh, we all hate them so much um, 
And then the one uh, I agree with pretty much all of Ryan's too, but did he mention PJ Fleck at all? No, I, uh, I let you have it. Head coach of Minnesota. Row that boat. Just, just <laughs> one of, he's got to be one of the most annoying, annoying men in college football. And like the fact that he created his own currency within the locker room to like help people get out of like bad things. And like, you could get out of wind sprints if you had enough fleck bucks or whatever. Um, and the stories of him, like going into recruits homes and like sitting an egg timer down and being like, you have this long to, to commit. And then I'm pulling the offer. And you're like, this is, it's like a 17 year old kid. Allow him to have a moment. Like, what are we doing here, man? I just don't understand it. Um, so, I mean, that's a list I could go on for a long time. Uh, but I'll I'll end it there because you guys don't really care uh, about my petty grievances as <laughs> as a football fan. But those are, those are the ones that come to mind. I th- I think my my only follow up is going to be I mean is the the recharged Iowa offense going to hit their their point the total that they need this year? <laughs> I would love it if they got like a point below or like <laughs> two points below. That would just be so funny to me. Um, because he's getting like a pay cut, right? If he doesn't hit that number, it was it like 325 or something like that. Um, yeah. But imagine being, and then like there was an article that came out over the summer about how it, it's such a hard job and he's under so much pressure and it's, you know, blah, it's like, look, buddy, you make almost a million dollars and your daddy got you this job. Like, shut up. <laughs> like, does your golden crown weigh too much on your head too? What are, what are we doing? <laughs> See, see, I so we'll, we'll give you a Mountain West comparison here. So, um, San Diego State has been a really good program, really strong program in the Mountain yeah. West, and I, I have been just complaining just on their behalf. Like, if they could just get a competent quarterback um, to lead their <laughs> offense, like they would be so good because they always have a really strong offense. They have a really strong running back, pretty much always. And if they just had a competent uh, quarterback that could run their offense, they would win the league every year, and they just can't figure it out. And I feel like Iowa's kind of in that same boat. If they just had someone yeah. that could run the offense, it, they would be much better. Yeah, that's true. They could, yeah. they, honestly, they'd be scary. Yeah, and they almost have one this year. It's the problem is they chose a transfer with uh, some shaky knees, so <laughs> it that, their fate may hang in the balance. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, but. Uh, we love banter. We're all about it here. But back to the game on the field Saturday. Mm-hmm. Two questions you actually sent over to me that I want to get from you guys as well. So Purdue wins on Saturday. What did Purdue do to win this game? Um, I would say that they found a way to balance their offense um, because – Devin Mockaby, I think, is going to get his, especially now that you guys have said you're you're a little worried about the defensive line. Um, that makes me feel like he's going to have a good game. But if no one on in the wide receiver core or, or a tight end can step up to catch the ball, you can just crowd the box and try to slow him down. So if Purdue is able to win, I think they've found a way uh, to balance the offense. And I think the for on the defensive side of the ball, I think the new incoming uh, – cornerbacks and the basically the remolded secondary that um coach walters brought in has done has done a good job yeah and then to add on top of that i think um defensively they force at least a turnover just because at this point we don't know if they'll be able to win a shootout right so 
I think they have some sort of big play where it can swing momentum in front of a home crowd that'll be going crazy, and that could just carry you all the way to a win. Okay, now I'm going to flip it. Fresno State won the game on Saturday. What did Fresno State do to Purdue to win that game on Saturday? Ryan, you can start on this one. I'll let you have the sad version of the question. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so I would say Fresno State was able to really exploit the non-cohesion of the units that Purdue has. It's a lot of transfers. They haven't played on a field together. It can be sloppy, and Fresno State would then take advantage of that. Yeah, I I think that is probably the right answer. Um, With so much turnover in the Purdue um, team, you know, both on the field and coaching staff, you just never know how the first game is going to go. Everybody is saying all the right things, but everybody always says all the right things. You know, Um, everybody always looks great in the preseason. Everybody always looks great in spring ball. Um, And then you get on the field and you get punched in the mouth. Um, So my worry is that all the transfers that we've brought in, they don't gel as a unit, like Ryan said. And we're looking at 11 guys who aren't playing as a team. And that I think will be especially true in the secondary. Um, And if you guys really are, not maybe too confident, but you're happy with what you've got at the wide receiver position. And it sounds like you've got a quarterback who you believe can throw the ball around. If Purdue cannot match up in the defensive backfield, it could be a very difficult game. And I know you guys are happy with your tight end as well. And the tight end has historically been a lot of problems, uh, has given Purdue a lot of problems uh, covering. So that worries me as well. I'll add this. uh, I'm going to answer the question for you guys, for your mm-hmm. listeners. Appreciate it. And and I will say that, uh, well, well, should we start with the sad one, Caleb? Let's just start with the sad <laughs> sure, one. Sure, go ahead. Let's get that one out of the oh, way. Oh, good. I'll, I'll edit the good one out when you send yeah. me the audio. So, so I'll be like, I don't know. They just said there was no way they were going to win, and that's all they gave me. <laughs> good. Leave it in there. Fuel our fire. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's uh, right. Um, if Purdue wins, I agree with Ryan. There's probably uh, we're not holding on to the ball. Probably a lot of turnovers uh, that either you know uh, Keen is still figuring out the offense, or we fumbled the ball. Uh, we've had problems with wide receivers in the past fumbling, uh, so uh, we turn over the ball there. And then defensively, like we said, we can't stop the run. I do my prediction here. Not I'm not doing any scores. My prediction here is that we stack the box and that we're going to force you to beat us through the air. That's what I do. Uh, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Uh, so, but if you do f- have a strong running game, that's where I think you uh, beat the dogs. Kill. Go ahead. I have the same thought too. Yeah. The uh, running game is going to be how Purdue wins this because if they're, I mean, historically, like when we've lost to tough opponents with really strong run games, it's been demoralizing and just, you know, four or five yards at a time. And, just run it down the clock and, you know, pound it in. That's usually what is the downfall of, you know, recent Fresno State teams. Yeah, we, as a Purdue fan, we know what that's like. You know, we play Wisconsin just about every year. So uh, we don't, we don't like to talk about that if we have, if we don't have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, if, if Fresno, uh, Fresno State wins, I think there's, uh, Mikey Keene feels very comfortable and we do a good job at the O-line position, uh, you, you talked about one of your strengths was the D-line. So 
you know, maybe we have to play 12 man front with two, two tight ends to help out and rely on our wide receivers to <clears throat> get open and Mikey Keene to read the defense, but we're controlling the line of scrimmage on the offensive side of the ball. And that will open up a lot of our offensive game. And then defensively, I think we force Hudson card you know, to throw the ball. Like I said, and, uh, Throw interceptions. Gotcha. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect. All right, guys. We ready for uh, game day predictions? Yeah. Yeah. How do you want to do this? Do you guys? Do you guys want to both go? Do you want us to both go? Do we want to alternate? How do you want to handle it? How about we go one and one? So one okay. from Beware Bulldogs and one from Boiler Alert. Sounds sounds good. Okay. Sounds good. I'm Ryan. I'll let you go first for us. Okay. All right. Well. So there. Is like I said, we're optimistic here at Boiler Alert. So I think I have to go with a Purdue win. It's just trouble with the score, right? Um, I do think Purdue will rely heavily on the run game just by opponent, and we know where our strength is on offense. I like to think that'll work, but obviously, with question marks on the defense, I think it'll be a close game. So ultimately, I will go Purdue 30, Fresno State 24. Okay. I believe it's at four and a half right now. Last time I checked. Yeah, I I saw four when I looked this morning. So it could be four and a half, depending on which book you look at. Yeah. ESPN is showing a three and a half for Purdue. Wow. Okay. But regardless, all right, I'll go next. Um, Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a close game. I. Definitely feel optimistic about our Bulldogs here. Um, so I, I think this one's going to be in the 20s um, for both sides. because uh, I, I don't think Fresno State offense is going to click um, initially. Some of what we saw last year is, I mean, it took till like the fifth game for really the whole team to be um, firing together. So I think um, it's going to be, you know, a slower, um, you know, not fast-paced game. But I think the Dogs are going to win 27 to 21. So I think it's going to be... Going to be close, but dogs are going to win by you know a couple field goals. Mm-hmm. All right, I guess that means it's my turn. Uh, I don't think there's any surprise here. I'm sure you guys are both going to pick Fresno State. We're both going to pick Purdue. Uh, you know, week one is always the hardest one to pick because you just have no idea, um, mm-hmm. especially in the area of the transfer portal. Uh, there are so many new guys coming in. You don't know how everybody's going to gel. You don't know really how much talent you've got because you might have seen these guys on other teams or you might just know that they come from another team and you've never seen a play. So you just kind of have to read what you can see what you can in practice. If you're able to watch and, and hope that things come together. Um, I, I think for Purdue, I think the coaching staff is good from top to bottom. I'm really impressed with what Ryan Walters put together um, and who he's brought in. I think Graham Harrell is going to be a great offensive coordinator. And I think they are, initially going to focus on the run with Maccabi, but I think they're going to surprise through the air because I think Hudson Card is incredibly talented, and I think Purdue has at least two guys in Sheffield and Burks who can outplay their opponent, outplay whoever's covering them. Um, And I think Purdue is going to try to exploit those two matchups specifically. Um, So I'm going to go similar to Ryan's score. but I'm going to go 31 to 24. Um, I, I got to take Purdue to cover the the four, four and a half, whatever it is uh, right now spread. Yeah, this is a tough one. And Caleb, you actually took my score. 
the 27 21 we we are in sync yeah uh so i i quickly adjusted change of course and we're gonna go with a 31 to 28 game okay close one for you all right yes so uh yeah i do think it's gonna be close i think i think the even though both i if i read you guys right it sounds as though both of us are confident more confident in our defenses we more we know what we have there you guys what what you have with the d line and uh we love our defense however i do think it's um pretty tough as a defense week one to know what you're going up against especially with uh new quarterbacks new offenses so I do think there will be points scored, and so that's why I'm going 31-28. Great. I don't well, think I don't think one. any of those predictions are out of out of line. I mean, I, I think oh. it really could go either way. Uh, I'll say one reason I chose Purdue. Obviously, I'm a homer, so you know, keep that in mind. But We're all uh, you know, exactly. Um, the, you know, the game is at Ross Aid. Um, this is the first game of the season. Um, it should be a very good crowd. It is the first game under you know new renovations to the stadium, so um, brand new south end zone seating. Um, they've updated a lot of stuff in the stadium that I think people are going to be really excited about, and I think it's going to lead to a very good atmosphere. So um, in college athletics and college sports, atmosphere and home field can mean so much, and so that's one reason I, I do put Purdue over the edge. Love it. I did think of a nugget to share with you guys while we were going with this. So Fresno State, last time they did face Graham Harrell as an offensive coordinator back in 2019 uh, when he was at USC. Um, okay. Unfortunately for USC, that game, uh, Fresno State knocked out uh, JT Daniels, which led to the rise Ooh. of Keaton Slovis. So both of those guys are now well-traveled and did not uh, finish at USC. But um, that mm-hmm. was Fresno State's last encounter with Graham Harrell was knocking out well, let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> but yeah. but thank you for putting that into the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Any anything that that helps our dogs. <laughs> well, All right, and so and also to build off like game day atmosphere. Um, yeah, we definitely agree there. That's you know one of the best parts of college athletics. But um, any Fresno State fans that are coming to the area for this game, do you guys have any recommendations of places that they need to check out or stop in restaurant or bar or anything that, you know, is, is worthwhile while they're in you know the West Lafayette area? Well, I mean, gotta be Harry's, right? Yeah. I mean, anybody who goes to visit Purdue, you're going to want to go to Harry's. It's the oldest bar on campus. It was a speakeasy during prohibition. Uh, I mean, it's not much to look at. Um, but, right. you know, you can go in there and you can get some pretty darn dr- darn good drinks, uh, pretty strong. Uh, get yourself a Baltimore Zoo uh, is what I would recommend. Uh, what is that? Pretty, I can't even tell you. I can't <laughs> even tell you. It's, it's just, you know, when, you, when you're like 21 or 22 and you go in there and you're with your buddy who's been there like 100 times, you're like, I don't, what did, and they're like, I just get a Baltimore Zoo. They do it here all the time. You're like, okay. So you just order one and they mix like nine different things together and you're like, okay, not bad. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say. Um, and if you go over the bridge into Lafayette, that's where the good restaurants are. You know, that's where they're, they're not like college restaurants where that's where you can get some actual good food, um, over the Mm -hmm. bridge in Lafayette. But if you want to stick, um, to campus and have like college kid food, you can always get some mad mushroom cheese sticks that are just absolutely greasy, cheesy, you know, madness mad mushroom right um but you know those will fill you up and cure any hangover that you might have so that's what i would recommend if you need something greasy 
Yeah, and the last thing I'll recommend is kind of a family diner in Triple X. So also go there if you want some greasy food. Um, but that's more of a diner atmosphere. And it was featured on Guy Fieri's uh, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. So um, I don't know how people feel about this, but their main course is a burger with peanut butter on it. So it's it's definitely different. Um, it's one of those things where it's like you got to try it and you just got to trust someone. But it's it's well documented uh, in Lafayette or West Lafayette. So triple X. Yeah. I love, I it's called the Dwayne Purvis burger. A lot of their things are named after Purdue athletes. Um, so that's the Dwayne Purvis burger. The key, if any of your listeners are going to go is you get just the cheeseburger with peanut butter on it. Don't get lettuce. Don't get tomato. Don't get pickle. Don't get anything else. Just the peanut butter, the cheese and the burger. It's delicious. Lots of protein. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you need to work out right before and then go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. And after. Yeah, yeah get two in. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, so we have Harry's, uh, the family diner named Triple X. Yes. And and uh, Mad the, Mushroom. The Mad, the Mad Mushroom. Mushroom. Got it. Yes. And Triple X is literally just three X's in a row. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's a family diner. Got it. And I swear yep, that's not exactly. a that's not a prank. That is the real name <laughs> of the restaurant. They're they're yep. um catchphrase is on the hill but on the level so you know it really is a family diner it's not some prank we're pulling on fresno state fans i know that's a <laughs> strange name uh but it is real mm-hmm. well guys i thank you very much we learned a lot about your team plug where you guys are at on social where they can find you guys because i know you guys do some writing as well and where your podcast mm-hmm. where can everybody find you yeah, so uh, we are at Boiler Alert on, I guess, X nowadays. Uh, it'll always be Twitter to me. but um, And we also, Ryan and I are both writers on uh, hammerandrails.com, which is the Purdue uh, SB Nation website. So you can find us on there. Um, and you can find us on Facebook at Hammer and Rails as well. I should note, Andrew's tag is Jumbo Heroes, and mine is P-U-R-B-97. In case you're looking for us specifically. Well, but you can find me. So I had to change the name to the boy to just at boiler alert, but it still shows as jumbo hero. So you can find me other under either one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Got it. All right, guys. Well, is there anything else that you would like the red wave to know before we get out of here? Um, I, I just have a question for you. Why are you the red wave? I thought you were the bulldogs. <laughs> what is this? You said so, it at the beginning and I just let it go. And then you've said it again. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. That's, that's a good question. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that, yeah, you asked that. Cause yeah. So that's, uh, I guess slang uh, name for Fresno state fans is a red wave. So okay. um, at, back, back in the nineties um, there was, I think it was related to Fresno B in some way, the local paper that um, there was such a caravan of um, Fresno State fans driving down. I think it was to um, play gotcha. USC in the Freedom Bowl. Um, there was so many, you know, red flags and red cars hitting down uh, 99 to go take on USC that it was like a red wave coming to okay. um, take them out. Nice. So s- since then, it's kind of been, um, you know, a calling card for Fresno State fans. Gotcha. Gotcha. I like that. Oh. Yeah. So we're waiting to yeah. play Tulane. 
So we had the red oh, wave. Yeah. Versus yeah. Blue wave, but we... yeah. The battle of the century. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Caleb, do you have anything for them? I don't. I think we pretty much covered it. We're fired up for game day. And um, we, we, we definitely appreciate you guys taking the time for us. I know a uh, three-hour time change is a little bit uh, difficult sometimes, but we appreciate right. you guys making some time in your in your evening for us. Yeah, of course. You know, it's it's unfortunate that you're nice guys because now I have to hate you at least <laughs> until Sunday. Um, but, you know, it was great talking to you. Always good to talk to uh, some fellow sports fans, especially of our opponents. So uh, I'm glad you guys could have us on. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Here's hoping you guys go on 11 and 1. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. Likewise. Right back at you. Yeah. All right, Andrew Ryan, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Great. Thanks, guys.